All right, here we go. 56-yarder. It's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the midfield goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Deep strike. Got the big man. with a short drop, now he pulls it out further to the left and he's going to strike downfield. Oh my, what a catch by Fitzgerald. He's, oh mercy, he's done it again. The man is remarkable. There is pandemonium in Piscataway. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap and the ball is for me. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen Watts Jackson and he scores on the line. listening to the Noon on Saturday podcast, college football, as it was meant to be. And welcome back to the Noon on Saturday podcast. Ben, Steve, and Manjo back here for another episode. It's been uh, a couple weeks since we've come to you here on the Noon on Saturday podcast. Took a little bit of a hiatus to recuperate from championship week, but what a stretch this December time of year has been in the world of college football. So much excitement in the transfer portal and the coaching carousel. And of course, bowl season about to get underway here as we tick down towards 2022. Gentlemen, welcome back. So good to be with you again. Uh, so nice to have taken a little bit of a break from the NCAA 14 grind to get back here on the pod. Yeah, I mean, it, it's when you're in that NCAA 14 grind, it's hard to pull yourself away, but there, there's plenty to talk about in the college football world uh, since we last met. Right, Steve? Right. I was at my desk at work today and thinking about the changes I need to make to the offense at, at Wyoming and NCAA 14, so I understand it's difficult, but there's too much to talk about. There's just too much to talk about. There is so much to get into, so let's dive right on in. Steve, big win for you with Wyoming over Oregon. Uh, actually, no, let's let's leave that alone for a little bit here. Where do we want to start? The, the coaching carousel, the transfer portal, some of the bigger stuff, bigger picture things going on in the world uh, before we get into some picks here in bowl season. Where do we want to start? Uh, I guess we could address what happened immediately after championship weekend, which was the crazy um, two-day span of, of Lincoln Riley announcing himself as the head coach at USC and then Brian Kelly surprising most people and, and, and jumping ship to LSU. That's a pretty good place to start, I think. Brian what? Kelly and his family... So glad to be here with my family. So whenever we recorded last time, Brian Kelly was not LSU's head coach. He was the head coach at the University of Notre Dame. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, um, I, I was pleasantly surprised to see Brian Kelly leave Notre Dame because 
I don't know. I, I just feel like he's been a villain there for so long, and everyone has seen how fantastic it's been to see Notre Dame get a new head coach, someone with the likability of Marcus Freeman. Maybe even Steve will go back to being a Notre Dame fan. Thoughts? Uh, No. No? Going to stick with Pitt? I think so. Just just as long as they they continue to win ACC championships. As soon as they stop, You're I, have to re- I, I, I have to reevaluate. So I, I'm trying to I'm trying to double cross our T's and dot the I's here. We released the last episode of our championship week preview on December the second. I believe Kelly announced he was leaving on uh, either November thirtieth or sometime around then in December first. So we might have mentioned it. But honestly, it feels what? so long ago that I've already forgotten. Um, so I, I have no problem rehashing that and all the craziness that ensued. I think your point about Marcus Freeman is, is very valid. It feels weird to almost like Notre Dame and almost you know, want to praise them effusively for the way they handle it. You know, I think they could have probably gone after Fickle. Um, they likely would have had to add weight with, you know, the Cincinnati head coach preparing for the American Conference Championship and what ended up being a, a playoff berth, the first for the group of five. Um, but it seems like Notre Dame just made the smart decision, brought up the in-house hire, inexperienced, but seems to be a guy that the team supports and that a lot of folks around the program support. Absolutely. I, I think that that will work out for both programs. Of, of all the schools that underwent uh, head coaching changes, I think Notre Dame and LSU are going to be two that are going to fare the you know fare the best from this coaching carousel cycle. Like some of the other hires out there, I was a lot more skeptical of than Brian Kelly at Notre Dame and and Marcus or Brian Kelly at LSU and then Marcus Freeman. But both of those guys, I think, will do very well. Let me pick your brain on that. What's one that stands out to you as questionable that you have doubts about? Um, Napier. I think mm. I think if you're a Florida fan, I, I'd be underwhelmed with Billy Napier. I mean, the guy has done wonders at Louisiana, but if you're Florida, you're kind of expecting to be in that top five program echelon with Bama. It's it's and pronounced program, right. please. Right. Well, yeah, Florida is down south, so I guess, I guess it would be program. But I, I wasn't a huge fan of Napier. I didn't love Virginia Tech's hiring of Brent Pry. I mean, I think that is okay, but certainly an, up, an upgrade from Fuente. But I, if I'm a Virginia Tech fan, I don't love it. So th- those would be two that, that jumped out at me as not, you know, A-plus hires. I I – I'm gonna disagree on the on on the Florida hire. I I think Napier has potential to do a lot down there, and and yet I I don't think he's an established name. He hasn't had a Power Five gig. Um, in Florida is a massive job, but I I do think he has he has the tools to to build up Florida as a program and 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 kind of bring some stability that they may might have lacked uh, under under Dan Mullen. So I'm gonna disagree there, but I do agree with Brent Pry. Again, I think. You know, although Virginia Tech hasn't had the same prowess that they've had in the past, I think they would be able to get a a, a higher tier um, 
P5 coach who was who was looking to jump um, because of I think they have a strong alumni base that, that would be ready and willing to back the, uh, a coach like that and obviously financially. So I was I was confused with with um, the decision to go with Brent Pry, but I I don't think it's a disaster. I think he still has a lot of potential. And well, I mean, yeah, obviously nothing is a disaster. It's it all remains to be seen. But just if I'm a fan Holy of crap programs, like if I'm a Virginia Tech fan, I, I'm not over the moon that Brent Pry. Like we just had seven years of Fuente, and now we're going to Brent Pry. We're a long way from Michael Vick in the early two thousands. Right, I agree. A couple, a couple other hires that I, I would say are A plus though. You you got to say Crystal Ball going back to Miami. Yeah, that that's just. I, I, I was just gonna ask for for your thoughts on that whole situation, and then we could follow that up with Dan Lanning to Oregon. I I think at the end of the day, Manny Diaz just did not do nearly a good enough job to be the Miami Hurricanes head coach. Like, should they have jerked him around for three days? because they didn't know if they could land crystal ball. Probably not, but I mean, Manny Diaz is a multimillionaire. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get too upset for the guy. And he just got hired to make probably close to a million dollars a year at Penn state. So he's fine. I would um, say over that. I don't, I don't obviously know, but yeah, I don't know what the running rate for, you know, a mid-level big 10 team defensive coordinator, but oh. that's, that's <laughs> Manny Diaz. Um, but yeah, you know, if you're Miami and you have a chance to get Mario Cristobal, a guy who is, has been successful at Oregon, is everything that you know the Miami, the U identity is all about. You, I mean, you have to do it. You have to do everything you can. So I, I can't blame Miami. No, I I think that's a great hire. I I think what Cristobal was able to do at Oregon was was solid. Although, you know, you you would argue he, he never got there. He never got a playoff team. He, he, had solid teams every year that he was there. Um, COVID year aside, I I think yeah, the, and especially him going back to his alma mater, Miami rate made a really good hire. And I think you know from a biased perspective, it it, it honestly excites me because I think it it brings a, a higher caliber back to the to, to the coastal division, and, and it might um, start to pay dividends as far as the quality of play in the CC. Not, not that I'm complaining that much. But we might see um, a bit an uptake in recruiting across the board, and yeah, I, I'm I'm really pumped with the hire for for Miami. I think this is a really great hire on the airport. And that's a, sorry to cut you off, but that's a good point about the coastal as well, because with Virginia getting Elliott from Clemson, I, I think that that's two that's two big upgrades in, in the coastal with Miami. What about what about Elko Elko to Duke? Definitely Solid. think it's an upgrade. I mean. Cutcliffe was a dead man walking. So Cutcliffe probably should have been out of there two years ago. Yeah. No, I I think I think the coastal did a really good job of of upgrading the coaches and and, and hopefully, you know, you root for the the division as a whole to kind of upgrade so that we're we're getting great matchups, prime primetime matchups each and every week. And so if if you're an ACC coastal fan or a fan of one of the schools, you have to be hopeful that that um, better football is on the way. I think it, while we're talking uh, coaching carousel in the ACC, I think we would be remiss not to uh, mention the whole Oklahoma thing as well. That happened since we recorded, pretty sure. Correct. So, 
Clemson use Clemson loses one of their big pieces, and you know U, USC. You know that that that's USC has to be right. I mean that that has to be right up there with Freeman or whoever you want to argue as the best hire of the offseason. Getting Lincoln Riley, that's another one that I don't think anyone can argue with. I, I think I think we touched on this in the last episode as well as Kelly, but I think Lincoln Riley is the best hire of the carousel hands down. I mean, what he's done in terms of recruiting Southern California, um, obviously Chip Kelly has done a decent job at UCLA, just picked up a decent transfer in Dylan Gabriel to uh, to improve that offense. You know, Not that Dorian Thompson-Robinson was a scrub by any means, um, but I, I think that what Lincoln Riley will be able to do, uh, what he was able to do for himself in terms of setting up competitively, yeah, setting up competitively by, you know, not having to necessarily deal with the SEC and all the pressure that comes with that, but instead, you know, trying to rebuild the powerhouse out West in the Pac-12. I think it's a great hire. It's a great spot for him. It's a great suit for him. Uh, and, and USC has to be happy that um, they're going to, you know, have a football program to uh, to rival what they've built on the basketball side. I don't think they say program on the, on the West Coast. I'm gonna I'm gonna call you on that. Um, but they say, well, Dan Lanning does because he's Southern. Um, he's on the West Coast now. Okay, it's, we're not gonna get into, we're not gonna get in the details here. We're just not. Anyways, uh, Southern California and California as a whole has been poached by the SEC and even sometimes the Big Ten as far as talent is concerned. You know, DJ Uyagole is is from the West Coast, and he landed at Clemson. So, I uh, the the potential is there, and when you have a recruiter such as Lincoln Riley, I mean, it's it's not a matter of if; it's just when. So, it, it you know, when he gets the program running, it, it's I think it's it'll again be better for for the Pac-12. I think um, a lot of good will come with that, and, it, and he has all the tools to to build up USC there. Um, that'll be certainly. Exciting. I, I, I'm honestly interested to hear both of your thoughts on Dan Lanning to, to, to Oregon. Um, cause I don't, I don't have much. Yeah. No, I, I think I could do a bit more homework on his background to be honest, but, um, obviously Georgia's defense is really good this year. Um, but I, know, I think that's, it's, that's it's, a big it's interesting fit. Yeah. It's, it's a, a big responsibility. responsibility. It's an interesting fit. Obviously that, that team, that school comes with a lot of resources, uh, you know, given Nike and Phil Knight and all that. Um, but I do think it's a very curious fit would be the word I would use just because, you know, you're talking about a guy who's SEC bred, uh, a guy who's been, you know, doing a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of scheming for that defense along with Kirby Smart, a defensive head coach. Um, and, you know, what, what crystal ball, I think it hasn't really been discussed maybe about the kind of situation that Cristobal is going to leave behind, especially at the quarterback spot. I don't think Anthony, I think it was proven late in the season that Anthony Brown isn't the guy going forward for that team. Um, so I, I think, you know, um, I forget they hired, forget his name, um, but Oregon hired the Florida state, offensive coordinator or something to be their offensive coordinator who's going to be calling plays for the first time since Norvell called his plays in Tallahassee. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see Lanning's leadership style 
to see how his recruiting, you know, moves west out of, you know, the Georgia umbrella um, and, and how he's able to maybe rebuild that offense a little bit, um, given kind of where they are right now and how much I think they're going to lose this offseason with Thibodeau and some others departing for greener pastures. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think landing will be fine with Oregon. Yeah, they're in the Pacific Northwest, but I mean, there there's all. I think all of us would would know a kid in elementary school who was just an Oregon fan for no reason. Like Oregon is the type of school that can get a kid from the Whippeal. They can get a kid from New York. They can get a kid from New Jersey. I've so, got a hat somewhere. Every yeah, Oregon is the is a national brand just with Phil Knight over the past twenty years that. Dan Lanning is going to be able to go into a kid's house in Florida or Georgia, and and you know they're going to be very interested in going to Oregon. So I, I I don't know a ton about his background either. All I see on his Wikipedia page was that he was a GA at Pitt in 2011 under illustrious head coach Steve. Is that Graham? Yeah, that was Todd Graham. He was a GA. High octane, but. I mean, he kind of he kind of seems like a guy that is going to end up being a good head coach. If Kirby Smart's willing to promote you to be your DC, you know, I I, I think if I'm I'm an Oregon fan. I'm pretty excited because, like you said, Steve, Crystal Ball was good there, but he never got into the playoff. They they under they adjusted Herbert, who's looking like a generational. I, NFL I think they under. I think it's pretty easy to say they underperformed given the talent Crystal Ball was able to have there over the last couple of years. Right. So, if you're an Oregon fan, you probably weren't that upset to, to see Cristobal go, knowing that that juggernaut and that foundation that they have in place with the Nike machine behind them, it, it's going to be hard to fail up there. Anything else on the coaching carousel? Um, I guess the last thing, or I guess I have two more things. Um. Thoughts on Venables finally taking a head coaching job. And um, I guess the other, the one I really like that's kind of flown under the radar is Washington hiring Kalen DeBoer from Fresno State. Obviously did a great job with them uh, up north in California, moving a little bit north to Seattle. Uh, They just got uh, Michael Penix Jr., who DeBoer worked with at Indiana, had some injury issues the last couple of years. And Really did not have a great season this year, but interested to see how Washington's able to bounce back from uh, the atrocious Jimmy Lake era. And then, um, what did I say? Oh, Venables. Good for Venables. I mean, to land a high-profile job like Oklahoma, whenever I'm sure he's had numerous Power 5 schools offering him jobs over the past half a decade, and he, he was holding out for the right one, Knowing he had a great, you know, foundation or great situation in, in Clemson, making tons of money to be a defensive coordinator, but you know he he held out for the right job, and who, who wouldn't want to be Oklahoma's head coach? So, right, and honestly, I think as far as timing is concerned, as as Oklahoma makes the jump to to the SEC, you you know, obviously we've seen you know Auburn, Georgia. Um, a and M, like there are some, some of the best defense in DC. So having a coach who's who's going to prioritize that at the very least, um, um, improve it, 
is going to be crucial in, in, in their jump in the coming years. Um, and, and you've seen that transition be made in Baylor and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 already. So I, I, it'll be very interesting to see. I'm, I'm very excited to watch it. I think that's also a great hire. He's a very energetic guy. It'll be interesting to see how he recruits. Um, Venable's not- getting – sorry, Steve, he's sorry to cut you off, but Venable's getting Jeff Lebby as his offensive coordinator is big too. Yeah. yeah. He's a pure defensive guy. And, you know, Lebby has – he's been at UCF. Now then he was at Ole Miss. Like, they're going to score some points. And if you're Oklahoma, probably not going to be that hard to get a talented quarterback to come there. Like, they don't right. have Lincoln Riley anymore, but still, if you're a quarterback – you still see that appeal playing at Oklahoma. No, I, I agree. And by the way, it's okay. it's worth somebody go. You go, Steve. Go ahead, Ben. No, you go. I okay. I no, I was going to make the the my my finishing point before I was interrupted twice was that it's not going to be hard to get talent at Oklahoma, and I think. It's it's falling in line for for Brett Venables. Go ahead, Ben. Great point. We needed to hear that. All right. The point I was going to make was it should be noted uh, for those overly concerned uh, about Adam Smotherman, the original get back get back coach for Brent Venables, is leaving Clemson. Not with Venables though. He's going with Tony Elliott to UVA. Interesting. Also, while we're just on. Clemson, them promoting from within for every single position is just hilarious. After everyone all season was calling on Dabo that he needs to make changes and start deviating from this stability, every Clemson is the way, like you stay here for 10 years, and then he just promotes everyone within. That had to just be a big fuck you to everyone from him. Like, I do what I want. No one's going to tell me different until I suck for like five more years. This, yeah, this this is a huge transitional period for Dabo losing the huge staff. season. Next season is huge. If you, if uh, DJ stinks again, they lost uh, Tyson too to the transfer portal. Yeah, Farmacon is gone. But I I mean Uagalele has been playing better, and I Clemson's one of my picks this week. Like I think they're going to be fine next year. Probably go like eleven and one, but still, it's a big year for him. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he's losing, you know, a lot of stability, like you mentioned. So that's going to be – that's an interesting, you know, kind of consequence of, of the carousel this year. It's going to be really fun to watch, especially for someone as self-righteous as Debo Sweeney. Sweeney. Like, will Clemson take a guy in the portal this year? They never take yes. him in the portal. Right? Yeah, I mean – that's been documented many times that Dabo has ad- admitted that okay, I was wrong. Um, so I, I they I think they have to. They they've lost enough in the portal this year that they they're going to need some some ready to go experience to to combat what they lost. I have. Go ahead, sorry. No, you go. I was I was just going to say that Clemson next year has Notre Dame non-conference uh and then obviously they play south carolina and then they have la tech and Furman. so favorable should should stack up favorably for clemson next year yeah i don't know south carolina really intrigues me next year with uh with rattler i mean i think what beamer was able to do this year in terms of getting bull eligibility was able to claim a couple scalps late in the season with auburn and mizzou and somebody else i think uh, really intrigued to see what Beamer does in, in year two as he 
you know, gets a gets a couple more of his guys in there. Um, speaking of the transfer portal, there's one point I know I told you guys I wanted to make here, and, and it is just absolutely ridiculous to me that all the backlash the transfer portal seems to you know attract, all the backlash that we get from fans and pundits about you know players choosing and you know, how it affects teams and how it affects individual players. Well, meanwhile, we're sitting here and the biggest issue to me this offseason that I think is not being addressed enough is the scholarship limits that are going back to where they were last or two years ago after the year of the COVID waiver. Um, I think given what we've seen in terms of seniors and juniors and sophomores electing to take that extra year of eligibility offered under the COVID waiver and either transferring or remaining at the school they've been at to, you know, shorten these rosters and shorten a lot of the younger players either coming out of high school or being recruited. It's ridiculous to me that we're going back to 85 scholarships so quickly when I think it's pretty obvious that the the extra year of eligibility has really impacted and shortened a lot of these rosters and a lot of the ability for these coaches to go out and continue to develop the younger side of their rosters as they'd like to and as they've done over the last couple of years before, you know, obviously everything went to shit. Yeah, it, it doesn't make much sense. Really, I mean, what what's happening is schools are – pretty much getting penalized for for having players take um what what was thought to be a remedy for for the experience of the covid season um poor i mean do we really have to it was poorly executed by the nca surprise Shocker. surprise surprise you know you the nca has been irrelevant uh in in the nil and 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 realignment scenario so i feel like this is just one way that it it made them feel significant and they had to act accordingly so yeah it, it really is a shame but it's just the ncaa doing ncaa things yeah i mean ncaa is bad but i mean ca- case in point is pitt only being able to take 12 guys like that that that's unfair. I think it was Narduzzi who said in his press conference that the the one who the people who are really losing out this year and, and it's going to affect them in the next couple of years as well are high school kids trying to earn right. scholarships because right. there's just not as many spots available for those high school kids it's, to play Power Five football or even you know Group of Five football you know because if you're Pat Narduzzi you're not going to tell a Cam Bright. Or, you know, a, a number, any number of guys, a Tazier Mac, you're not going to tell them they can't come back if they want to come back and prove more at the college level because they're great. They're, you know, they're good players. And you'd be a fool to tell them, now we need to bring in a freshman. But the high school kid who is going to have to go Ivy League or FCS rather than Juco. FBS, you know, or who's going to have to go Juco, those are the ones that we're hurting here. And, at yeah. the end of the day, it has to be to save money. Like it has to be whether you want to blame the NCA or the institutions themselves. It has to be that. Well, if you if you give each school extra ten scholarships times one hundred and twenty programs, 
you know, I'm not good at math, but that's a lot of extra full scholarships that these institutions are going to have to pay out if they don't go back to 85. So I, I mean, I would guess that would have to be the reasoning. Otherwise, it makes no sense whenever you know that this is going to be an issue for years to come because every single person got an extra year. That's the crazy thing to me is the like ramifications for that are, are going to last a while because we're going to be seeing, you know, these sort of shortchanged scholarship numbers available for coaches for the next four years. And, you know, after that, we're probably going to see some sort of, you know, who knows what the portal is going to look like when, you know, some of these younger guys that maybe weren't able to get the same, you know, power five or, or D one entirely options coming out of high school, maybe get the opportunity to transfer in afterwards and, three or four years down the line, it's going to be, it's going to be really, um, it's going to have a massive impact, I think, for a while. I agree. One. I agree. On that happy note, it's bowl season. Bowl season is upon us. Uh, let's dive into picks here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, why not? So first I, of all, little housekeeping. Did some math. Did some records. The good news, we are all in the green. We are all in the black. We are all above 500. Uh, Manjo with the only push of the season in that crazy Florida State Clemson ending a couple weeks ago. 30-28-1 and one on the year. 508 hitting percentage. Uh, myself, 31 and 27, 534. And Mr. Steve Brown leading the way, 559 percentage wise, 33 and 26. Got off to that hot start in week zero with Iowa, Virginia Tech, and UMD 3 and 0 to start and has just kept flying since then. So, congratulations to Steve and let's go for his crown here in bowl season, eh? You could round it up to fifty six percent for for those listeners. I use the decimal I just want to let the it's listener, a little more precise. Sure, I just want to let the as, as a man of numbers, I I thought you would appreciate that. No, I I do. I just wanted to let the people know. You had a great season, Steve, but there's a lot of bowl games, and I have oh, a yeah. lot of picks. So hey, I, I and I've been I'm trending. The wrong, I've been trending in the wrong direction. We, we've got a lot to prove here. Whenever, whenever we started uh, on this Discord call, I had seven picks, and now I have ten. I'm going with ten. Wow. Ten bull picks. Wait, I got to add a couple of... more. I got to add a couple more lines here. Really, I have eight, and then I'm like, I'm gonna make a pick in each of the playoff games, just because I feel like we've been waiting all year for these games. I'm, I'm gonna bet them regardless, so I'm gonna give a pick out. Right. Right. Okay. All right. I don't. I don't have much early. So if if people have early picks, shout them out. I have a couple early. Um, my first, my first game of the bull season. Well, actually, my first two games of the bull season are on the same night, uh, December twenty first. I'm yep. taking uh, Kent State plus three against Wyoming. I like it. Wyoming's offense is anemic. Um, if they want to win, their hope is to control the ball, control the turnover margin, 
play good defense. Wyoming does have a good defense. I'll give them that. But Kent State likes to play fast. They have a high-powered offense. They have a strong, balanced offense. And I think they can win the game outright. I'm going to take the three points, not the money line. But, you know, Kent State, they had a rough outing in the MAC in the uh, MAC championship game, but everything went wrong for them early on in that game. They had an interception, a turnover on downs. Uh, and, and I just believe in their offense. I think they're going to score enough points. I've got one before that. I've got one the first Saturday of bowl season. It is the Lending Tree Bowl, Eastern Michigan and Liberty in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, I'm going to take Eastern Michigan plus the nine and a half. Whoa. I believe Malik Willis is playing for the Flames, but Eastern Michigan has been competitive in the MAC. Um, and I think that's a big number. I, I have uh, the last bowl I saw Eastern Michigan play in, they kept it close. Um, and I have faith in what are they, the Eagles, to do the same uh, on a little bit more level pegging here at uh, Hancock Whitney Stadium in the Lending Tree Bowl. I, I like that pick almost just more fading Liberty. I mean, at times, Liberty was really disappointing this year. So, yeah, if you're going to give me nine and a half with Eastern Michigan beat Western Michigan, they have a couple good wins, some bad losses too, but that's a lot of points. A lot of points. My, uh, my other game that same day, uh, December 21st, what Kent State-Wyoming is the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. So Obviously. Wyoming probably will have a little bit of a home field advantage, but there can't be more than like three or four thousand Wyoming football fans. So that shouldn't be that big. There's more than three or four thousand people in the state of Wyoming. Yeah. So I'm not too worried about a home field advantage. And then that same day, Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Awesome. Love that name. Uh, I'm taking San Diego State. So I'm also those underdogs that day. San Diego State can run the football. They have very good defense. Uh, we obviously all know about uh, Bobek's favorite punter. Yep. So I, I think I've been that effusive in my praise of Mr. Areza, but it's, it's pretty obvious that he's a god. The punt god. So obviously we know San Diego State's offense struggles at times. They got blown out by Utah State in, in the Mountain West Championship game, but Utah State's a damn good team. Like Utah State was ten and three this year. I think they lost a couple games that they should have won. U- U- Utah State's a good team, so I'm going to take San Diego State's defense. They played a harder schedule, and they can run the football. UTSA has given up a lot of yards on the ground this year, so that's why I like San Diego State. Uh, I actually have a pick I, in that game as well. I do too. Um, ooh, ooh. I hopped in. I'm on UTSA minus two. Okay. Um, for for weirdly similar reasons, I I do respect San Diego State's defense. That's what's yeah. That's that's what's going to keep them in the game. I just think uh, UTSA's offense is a bit too much, and and I and I don't have any faith in, in San Diego State's offense. Um, I, I I I think they haven't they haven't uh, raised up to the call when they need to. Um, eleven and two is still an impressive record, but I, 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 their their offense leaves a lot to be desired, and and with sincere McCormick, um, being a a beast as he is, I can see him having a big game and 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 pulling this one out for for the Roadrunners. Meep meep. I can personally attest as to the quality 
of Sincere McCormick. Having the uh in a simulated pleasure of, of coaching him Correct. in a simulated video game, like you said. Uh I, I'm actually gonna go a third way here. I think Uh-oh. for some of the reasons both of you gentlemen mentioned, I've got the under 49. Ooh. It's gonna be a lot of ground and pound, a lot of football on the ground, a lot of running the ball, and uh a lot of defense. Uh, San Diego State, Brady Hoke has done a great job with that defense. As you said, Manch, the offense not so much at times. Matt Areza is going to put UTSA in some pretty bad positions. So I like the under. 49 is not a lot of points. Uh, but yeah. Pay attention, folks. Ben Bobek does not often call out an under. So I would pay attention. UTSA... I think in their last couple games of the season kind of got exposed. Like they played nobody this year. Here's the thing. Okay. You you can't, you can't call a win against Western Kentucky and, and nobody win. Like Western Kentucky Bailey Zapp is one of the most impressive quarterbacks in college football this year. Of course they're gonna throw, I did have them. I just would like to say I did have the Roadrunners in that championship game. You're welcome, America. Western Kentucky gave up 33 to Indiana this year. Their defense is – they gave up 48 to Michigan State. Like, Western Kentucky's defense is terrible. Yes, they have a good offense. I'll give it to you. But UTSA, they're similar teams, and UTSA just has a better offense. Like, Forgot I don't think beat Illinois. Illinois. Illinois is and, horrible. And Memphis. Memphis was disappointing. They did have a couple of nice wins, but – I don't know. I just think UTSA is not as good as a lot of people think, and I think that's why they're. I don't know. I think that's why they're only given two. I could, I could see UTSA was undefeated up until three weeks ago, so it, it's a good game. One of the better early games. One of the better games that does not have a power five matchup, and I love that's that all three of us are on it. So can't wait to watch. Yes. Yes. A lot of skin in the game there. Love yes. It. Um, moving on, uh, I have, I have won the next day too. Oh, you have a pick in the Missouri army game. Oh, I've got a pick in the Missouri army game. The Lockheed armed forces bowl. How can you bet against the troops army minus four book it? Wow. Missouri's defense stinks. I bet against them once this season. Uh, I took Tennessee. The Vols blew them out. Army's going to win by a touchdown at least. Yeah, Missouri is really like they're not good on offense. They're not good on defense. I I can definitely see Army winning that game pretty easily. But at the same time, I watched a lot of Army Navy, and Army's not good. So I think I think I, I, you got to throw out the record books when it comes to that game. You do. You do have to throw out the record books, but there's always the old adage as well that when you have more time to prepare for the triple option, it should be a little bit easier. I I don't know. I like the pick. If I was going to make a pick in the game, it would be Army, but it's a very interesting game. Missouri State. I've got a lot of – Missouri's terrible. I have a lot of early picks too. I have another one uh, the next day as well. Oh, I have one the next day as well. Whoa. Game? I've got the uh, the Gasparilla Bowl, UCF, Florida. Yep, I got picked there too. You you go first. Lead the no, way. No, you got it. You got it. Okay. 
All right, I'm taking Florida. Ooh. Taking Florida um. minus six and a half. Interesting little wrinkle, Emery Jones in the portal, but he's playing. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah. That actually Emory might, Jones is playing. That actually might that change line, things for me. I was very confused as, as to why the line was six and a half with Florida. Right. But knowing that Emory Jones is playing and that obviously UCF is not going to have Dylan Gabriel, although their backup played a good bit of football this year. He's a yes. decent player. But I just think uh, – I also two things that made me take Florida on top of Emory Jones playing are number one, Florida just hired a new head coach and all the players on that roster are going to want to play well to impress Billy Napier. So that's just a classic college football cliche that I'm going to buy into. And then number two, it's a sold out crowd, sold out crowd in a bowl game in your home state for both these two teams. Right now, central Florida has the best record in the state. Central Florida wins this game. And they're they're able to go out and tell everyone that we had the best football team in the state of Florida this year. Yeah. So Florida's not gonna Florida's not gonna let that happen easily. Their their players are gonna be ready to just pummel UCF and and make them realize, yeah, this is why I got recruited to Florida and you got recruited to Central Florida. I, I think I definitely think that's a valid point. Um my I so I was coming in with the UCF plus six and a half bet. I think I'm gonna stick with it. Um, Anthony Richardson out with an injury, I believe. I don't think he's entering the portal. Um, like I said, I came in assuming that Emory Jones entering the portal meant he wasn't playing. Um, but but I'm going to stick to my guns here, and I'm going to go with a different cliche. I just think that Florida losing their defensive coordinator earlier in the year, losing you know their offensive leader in Dan Mullen, who obviously you know maybe wasn't that inspiring. Um, but I just think that there's going to be a little, a little opportunity for Florida to get maybe distracted. I don't think the Billy Napier effect is going to have as much of an effect as what you were talking about in terms of motivation for UCF. Um, uh-huh. I think there's the, the consistency and the carryover in Gus Malzahn actually, you know, being the head coach and coaching this game kind of leads me a little bit to UCF and um, that motivation factor of, you know, wanting to prove that they're the best team in the state, wanting to prove that they, that their, you know, record stands up as the best team in the state. I think beating Florida would go a long way. Um, And there's always that chip with UCF and Florida. They were trying to get, you know, a home and home for, for so long. And now they get them, you know, in a bowl game, obviously a little bit different circumstances, but I think, uh, I think the motivation holds up for UCF, and I'm going to take them plus the six and a half. Definitely, definitely can see everything. Everything you're saying that's that's a very fun game. And yeah. the only I, other... I think this is this is one of the most fun matchups. I think that's flying a little bit under the. For sure, for sure. The only other thing I that pointed me towards Florida is that I watched a lot of the South Florida UCF game, and that was not pretty for UCF. <laughs> They also, two weeks prior to that, they got blown out by an SMU team that I've been down on and I just don't think is that good. So, I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. I could, I could see that game going either way. That's why gambling is beautiful. That's and, and fun, right? But great, great little – that'll be a nice little Thursday night. Cl- click on the tube Thursday night, a couple days before Christmas – or a couple days before Christmas. Fantastic. Absolutely. 
All right, so Steve, Steve you're do you have any early team. picks here besides just like jumping on the opposite side of my pick? Uh, no, I'll let you know when I see one. <laughs> okay. I have another one until the 28th of December. I'm Memphis, I start, Hawaii, Georgia State, Ball State. Western I start on the 27th. Nevada. All right, what do you got on the 27th? Western Michigan, Nevada, Boston College, East Carolina. This this one's easy. Come on, it's it's Boston College minus three. Um, you know, I I think you truly have to kind of throw out uh, Boston College's regular season offensive uh, output. Um, you know, f- f- like Phil's going to have some time with the offense. He's he's slowly been kind of getting it together. Um, you got to trust in, in in Phil to to kind of wake up a little bit. Um, he's had more time to recover since since his surgery and injury. Um, I think I like Boston College minus three a lot. I think you know the, their their defense is more than capable of holding uh, holding nailers in the in the pirate offense to to a reasonable amount of points. I have no reason to believe that that they can't win this game and win this game big. I think I think that's it's not a a favorable line because. Um, of of how Boston College finished the, finished the season season, but I, I truly think that that Phil just needs some time to to get um, the game back in his hands, and and I think this will be an easy one for for the Eagles. Yeah, I I like that. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely I don't know about an easy one. Like they're a three point favorite. ECU right. has a good quarterback. I don't I don't see it being a walkthrough, but. If I I don't have a pick there, but I guess I would take Boston College if I had to. Well, well that's that's what I'm betting on, you know. I've been burned that's, by Boston that's where, College. That's where times. my confidence level is. Yeah, I've been burned a couple times with Boston College this year, so you're I hesitant. Can't, I can't Understand. bet on them again. I just don't want to. Watching them play is miserable. It's understandable. I just I just have a good feeling. All right, on to the next day, the twenty eighth. Big day for both. That's one of maybe the best day, you know, outside of the obvious New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Yeah, no, this this day is loaded. I have two picks on this day. Do I have two? I have two as well. All right, start us off then, gentlemen. I have a pick in the noon game, so I'll start. Um, All right, taking Houston money line. Plus Interesting. Plus one twenty on the money line. Auburn obviously is not going to have Bo Nix. Do they have Tink? Is is Tink Bigsby remaining at Auburn, or is he is he leaving? I haven't not, heard anything. Not sure about Bigsby. Haven't heard that he was leaving. So I I, I, I think there were rumors, but I think they were dispelled. My fault. Auburn, however, is dealing with a number of opt outs. Um, like their one cornerback who's supposed to be a first round pick opted out. Their uh, right tackle who's been really good this year opted out. So no quarterback, you're down three or four of your other best players because they're opting out for the draft. Houston, I think that Cincinnati game left a bad taste in their mouth. They really just did not play well in in that game. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, watching that, I watched a decent amount of that game and it didn't really make me come. It didn't, you know, have me coming away saying, wow, Cincinnati's really good. It just had me more thinking that Houston really did not execute. I think they will correct that mistake with a month to prepare. And, you know, I think Holgerson 
I think Holgerson's a good coach. He's the right coach for Houston, uh, and, and I, I think they I think they can pull off the upset. I like that. I don't hate it. I have a it's take tough here. because Auburn, like in the trenches, is just going to be so much better. Correct. I'm not going to say I love the pick or anything, but the combination of Auburn limping to the finish line and, and Houston having you know a higher powered offense than they showed against Cincinnati, I'll, I'll, I'll take Houston. I like it. What do I you agree. have, Steve? I don't have anything until the West Virginia game at ten fifteen. So I'm uh, that game as well. It's. I mean, I'm just going back to the well. My my guy, Malik Cunningham. <laughs> like the cards are minus one and a half points, and I'm going to take the points. Now, granted, I understand Air Force has turned some ha- heads this year. Um, I think they they were projected to do well. I don't think people had them contending uh, in the Mountain West as long as they had. Um, they, they really had a solid team this year. Their defense is impressive, but I don't think they've met anybody like my guy Malik Cunningham. Um, I Why really are you like his name like that. Because that is what I do. He's go- he hey, he's gonna pass all over the Falcons defense, which is what he will do. And this is an easy, easy cover for for the Cardinals. So, do you I, have any rationale in this game that's not shtick? Uh, what do you mean? Your rationale was that I've been on Louisville. Louisville's impress. Louisville's offense is impressive. That's been my whole thing the whole year. When when I hate that pick. I'm adding Air Force. That's I love tough. it. I love it. I'm adding Air Force money. Louisville got blown out by Kentucky, who is average. Who has Air a, Force? Who has an very impressive defense? Is an Air Force? Is Air Force's defense as impressive as Kentucky's? Not a shot. And, and Louis, listen, Louisville's defense is nothing to write home about. That's fine. I they think it's a great up. game. I think you know it might be the closest spread of any bowl game. Phenomenal game, and, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on Air Force. There's okay. one the same day that's NC State minus one, so not quite not quite the closest. Oh, they edged out. I think they're. I think. Uh, I think. Who, who does Baylor play? I think they're a pick'em. Yeah, they Baylor and Ole Miss is a pick'em. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. love the pick, Manjo. Oh, ha. Huh. Okay. You want to give us your West Virginia Minnesota pick? Yeah, I've got Minnesota minus four. Buddy Brown uh, opting out really hurts West Virginia. Daggy has shown absolutely nothing all season. Um, Minnesota's got a good defense. They've <laughs> shaken off that inexplicable loss to Bowling Green earlier in the year. Uh, finished pretty strong. Eight and four is a good record. I'll make it nine with a comfortable win over West Virginia. Late night uh, in the. I'm on Minnesota as well. I am on Minnesota as well. And and for the similar reasons that you mentioned, I think now, I I think Tanner Morgan's going to have his hands full with the the West Virginia defensive front um, being as it is, but I just don't see West Virginia being able to put up a lot of points against Minnesota. Minnesota's got a really good offensive line. They've got a great offensive line, and their defense, you know, has has put them in position to win games consistently, which is why, you know, they beat Wisconsin in in, in the, the last regular season game of the year. I think um, this should go Minnesota's way. I'm on the other side. I'm taking West Virginia. I'm taking the four <laughs> points. Um, 
Did not know that Letty Brown wasn't playing, so that's good to know. <laughs> but I'm still taking West Virginia. I'll, I'll trade you that for Emory, Emory Jones. I, I don't know. I'll go with the old adage that running back isn't that big of a deal. You can just plug someone in. I'm sure West Virginia has some guys on the depth chart behind Letty Brown that are talented. Not that I know any of them, but <laughs> I just I've watched Minnesota play probably four games this year, and they are just an ugly team to watch. Um, I I don't think I was high on Morgan coming into this year, and he just did nothing. Ten touchdowns, eight interceptions this year for Tanner Morgan. So I'm going to take West Virginia, thinking that Daigie can outplay Jer- outplay Tanner Morgan. Two crappy quarterbacks, but I'm, I'm going to take Daigie. Interesting. I think Daigie was not good this year. Certainly not, but I think he got a little bit too bad of a rap from West Virginia fans. They like to put all of their problems on Daigie when... And they got a lot of problems. Yeah, their O-line was average at best. They don't have any weapons outside uh, at receiver, and you know their defense is still... Still not there um, from what you would expect So fr- from Neil Brown. So I-, I like West Virginia also because they're building with Neil Brown. They will try to act like this game is a lot more important than it is. Like I can just envision West Virginia fans uh, being very excited for the future after beating Minnesota in the guaranteed rate bowl. So I can see it. I can envision it. We'll see. That, that's another good, there's a lot of good games between this know. is this this really kicks off the golden stretch here right oh yeah yep a lot of close spreads yeah a lot of Would a lot you... of tight games a lot of you know one pointers two pointers um three all four of the games on the next day december the 29th are under five points three of them are two or under with the Fenway Bowl is sponsored by Wasabi, which makes absolutely no sense. Um, I, have a, I have a pick there. I have a pick there as well. I'll let you start. Hold on. Before you go into your pick, is Wasabi a brand? I, I guess. Uh, I always thought Wasabi was just like a type of food or, you know. Well, I think, I think it is. I, I think the it wasabi is. Wasabi nut, right? Wasabi. So there's just a brand that owns the entire, like. It's a plant. There, so one brand owns the entire plant, or no? I I don't even think it's. Hold on, I'm like doing some research here. Company about wasabi, like in my mind, it's not even. It's not even a food company. I think it's. I think it's like some sort of tech, um, data storage. Nice. 2017. No free ads, by the way. So wasabi should definitely be paying us for this segment. But since 2017, Wasabi has been changing the cloud storage landscape with hot cloud storage, a disruptively simple one-size-fits-all cloud storage technology that is one-fifth the price and faster than the competition, blah, blah, blah. blah. It's a cloud storage company. Now I'm pissed because that's exactly what they, what they wanted. Like that, That's exactly what the, these Wasabi we tech nerds wanted, and I just mean Wasabi, wasabi technologies. Them. We bit. I walked right into it. So this is the him. first. This is the first Fenway Bowl, right? I believe. Yeah, they. I think they had some regular season games there, but not a bowl game. I think, yeah, I think BC played. Um, remember, is it like BC I, Northwestern? I saw some Twitter chat about people wanting a bowl at PNC Park, which I mean the <laughs> the weather 
the weather I just do not think is going to be conducive for that. But then you got to think that they're playing the Fenway Bowl and the Pinstripe Bowl. So, hey, why not? Yeah. Bring a bowl to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. There's always things to do. The, should should the winner should the winner <laughs> of the Fenway Bowl and the Pinstripe Bowl then have to play each other? Each wearing like Red Sox and Yankees uniforms. The Mrs. T Pierogies PNC Park Bowl. Sorry, I got I was, a pick in that game. The now. Bridge Bowl. Uh Bridges Bowl. It would be the UPMC healthcare. Yeah. Monopolize yeah. your health bowl. Um, yeah, I have a pick. This I actually think it would be the bowl. Frenchies Deli Bowl. <laughs> French deli, yeah. Frenchie, Frenchies Deli Chipotle Mayo Bowl. Bye. <laughs> My All right, I'm taking I'm taking UVA. I'm taking I'm UVA minus two. I I I knew we were both going to be on that because we're both ACC homers, and we both love Brennan Armstrong. So that's I really don't have much else for the pick. I think SMU was kind of a fraud program this year. Their defense stinks. Um, yeah, gave up 31 to sorry 34 to Tulsa, 48 to Cincinnati. 28 to UCF. So, um, and can can you really argue that you, you know has as SMU and, and I'm very high on UVA's offense. This is why I say this. Has SMU faced an offense like UVA? I mean, the size that they have across the board at the wide receiver position and tight end is is huge, and right. it, it's not easy for for a team to defend. I I don't think they're going to be ready for that. You know, I I have to trust that. Brennan Armstrong is going to be healthier than he was to conclude the season. I, the Virginia Tech game, I think, was just, you know, he was wiped. I think he'll be ready for this one. You got to take UVA here. So, just looking so, at so the here's game, my pick. I was hold Uh-oh. on before you say that. I was just going to say, is this a possible Bover of the week? Oh, this is so far into Bover range. Wow, it's not even funny. I've had this one since it was announced. Over 71. Both of these teams hate playing defense. Both of these quarterbacks are awesome. It's going to be like 50 to 40. Tanner Mordecai is going to throw for a bunch. Uh, and Brendan Armstrong is going to throw for two bunches. Uh, I do like the UVA pick. I'm not going to make that a pick, but over 71, book it. The, the weather is may be a factor. I have not checked. The prediction for Boston in you know three two weeks or whatever it is, um, but you know given how warm it's been on the East Coast the last couple of days, not that worried. I would think thank the God weather, for global warming. Oh, I love it! I can't wait for the next fifty years. I uh, I would think that that game being at Fenway is the only reason why that's not like an eighty point over under. Because, I mean, I said SMU's defense is bad, but Virginia's defense is really bad. So, the, I, I love that over. The weather definitely is a big X factor. Absolutely. That's, that's going to be uh, such a fun game to watch. going to be a lot of fireworks. Anything on that day, Steve? There's a lot of great I, games this that, day. That concludes my picks on that day, although I feel like I could easily get into more, but I'll let you guys discuss that. Uh, I'm continuing with my ACC homerism and taking Clemson. Mentioned it earlier. I think Clemson has been playing good ball. Um, 
could see Will Shipley having a big game. Oh, yeah. yeah. Iowa State has been suspect uh, on defense at times this year. Um, Certainly suspect and, on offense. Yeah, and I think Uagalele is is playing a lot better than he was in, in October. So I'm going to take Clemson just knowing that they have a better roster, better quarterback, in my opinion. Um, yeah, give me the ACC. I'm all ACC. I'm not going to touch Virginia Tech because that's just disgusting in the new era pinstripe bowl. Yeah. But give me Clemson. No, I, and I, I think in all rationality, you know, Brock Purdy had, has struggled against good defenses this year. He struggled mightily against Iowa. And Clemson, you know, they had their faults, but their defense was never one of them. I I think this is – it's very likely that, that Purdy struggles against Clemson. And and all all the Tigers need to do is just get the ball in the end zone and, and probably good field position, and they should walk away with that one. I like the pick. Yeah, I like the pick too. I think it's – of those two teams, I think it's – also getting points. I mean, Clemson is still a top 20 ranked team uh, down in Orlando. And, you know, they're getting a point and a half. I don't, I don't hate that at all. Anything else? Uh, on that day, I do not know. Clemson and Virginia are my two picks. Oregon, yep. Oklahoma should be a barn burner of a game. That should be a great game. That should be a great game. Two interim coaches. Bob Stoops back in the crimson and cream. That should be awesome. Yipper. On to uh, to New Year's Eve Eve? Yes. Otherwise known as Thursday, December 30th. (laughs) Steve. (laughs) Uh, I do not have a pick in the pick game. Does anybody? Panthers money line. I mean, that's not official, but unofficially I guess we can talk about that more later sure I have one pick that day anyone else want to start us off I do Uh, I'm at three are you earlier Uh, I also have a pick in that game I were probably also we're probably both on Tennessee yes we are all right I, I mean, Purdue Purdue has been disappointing. They had the big win against um, Michigan State, and they had the big win uh, over Iowa, who stinks, even though you don't think they do. But other than that, they just have not been very good this year. G- give me Tennessee and give me Hendon Hooker. No, I, absolutely. And, and, and I think, you know, they, they've struggled against good offenses. Um, and, and, and what happens when, when I don't think – they're able to rely on their their passing offense as I, I think they do need some balance. Tennessee's tempo, it, I don't, I doubt, I don't think anybody runs anywhere near the 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 fast tempo that uh, they do in the Big Ten. So I think it's going to be tough. Carl Loftus is, I think he's sitting out this one. So edge the edge pressure took a hit there. I don't know if David Bell is playing either. You gotta take you gotta take Tennessee here. I haven't seen anything on Bell. Uh, Sixty three and a half, not a pick, but I love the over. It's gonna be that's gonna be a fun one. I've got I've got 
I've got one. I love the Tennessee. Betting on Tennessee all season has been so much fun ever since fun. going down so there, beating fun. them, you know, knowing Hooker, seeing the way that Hypel has, has built that program up. Sorry, built that program back up and has them, I think, in a pretty good Um, I'm going to jump to another program. Uh, the Battle of the Carolinas, the Duke's Mayo Bowl. The winner gets Mayo dumped on them. I do think that Mac Brown is going to be able to revel in that sweet, creamy goodness. Uh, but I'm going to take South Carolina plus the number, plus nine and a half, similar to the Eastern Michigan pick way back when. I think it's just a gigantic number. South Carolina's really come on uh, down the stretch here. I think uh, Shane Beamer's got him clicking. Uh, and, and I think as I touched on towards the end of our earlier segment, excited to see what he's able to do next year with uh, Rattler and such. Um, but yeah, plus nine and a half in the, uh, in the Mayo Bowl. I like it. I like it a lot. It's interesting because I'm looking at the lines on my book. Uh, I've been using BetMGM, and it's down to seven and a half on, on mm. BetMGM. So, I'm just full disclosure. I'm just looking at ESP. That, yeah, too. I was. I was through the whole time. I just hopped onto my book just to see. I was actually looking to see what a money line parlay of Tennessee, Pitt, Clemson, and Virginia would be because I think I might do that. But, um. Yeah, down to seven and a half. I don't know who's going to play quarterback for South Carolina in that game, but you have to think that the 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 difference at that position is why that spread is so yeah. high. Because yeah. North Carolina is not impressive outside of Sam Howell. Do you think Sam Howell's going to play? Have we have we seen anything on that? I haven't heard that he he's not going to play. So honestly, half of my reasoning is I might try to get this bet in before we get any news there because i think i don't i don't know if he's gonna play I'm curious about that i haven't even thought and the line being seven and a half on my book makes me think that you're right and he's like maybe they're thinking he hasn't announced yet but maybe he's not gonna play i don't know though. i don't know i don't know what north carolina has at quarterback right I don't, I don't think anybody knows really right so I haven't seen anything. All right. Well, should we go to New Year's Eve? Yeah. Let's get into it. We hit the one New Year's Six Bowl with the Peach Bowl, Pitt, and Michigan State top 12 matchup there. New Year's Eve outside of the two playoff games, the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl Classic. Got the Arizona Bowl, Boise, and Central Michigan, Miami and Wazoo, and Wake Forest, and Texas A&M in the Gator Bowl. I don't, yeah, I don't have anything here. Lead us off. Except the playoffs. Sorry, I had some issues there. Uh, where are we starting? My, my audio. Let's start the, no, the non-playoff games. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take Oklahoma State money line. Okay, that's New Year's Day, but sure. <laughs> I got I got lost. My bad. Uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. Like we can no, do we can do New Year's have, Eve, no, New Year's have, Day together. I don't care. No, no, no. <laughs> big, big, big errors there. No, uh, I I don't have anything pre pre. Uh, pre Neither do I. Semifinal. 
right, I got I got one I got one pick uh, out of those three games, I, and I'm now quickly realizing by looking at my card that I'm just taking every team in the ACC. So <laughs> I, I'm taking Miami minus two and a half. Love Van Dyke going with my same principle with Florida that you know these players are all going to be excited to have Chris the ball as their coach. They're going to want to show out for him. Washington State did close the year strong. They blew out Arizona and Washington to end the year. Played Oregon decently close, lost by fourteen. And, and you know their their pass game improved over the course of the year. Uh, Delora, their quarterback, is a good player, but I think Tyler Van Dyke is better. I think Knighton ha- has a chance to have a good uh, a big day. Uh, you know he's one of the more impressive true freshmen this season. So. I just think Miami will have more uh, on offense and be able to get the job done. I agree. I like the pick. But, yeah, that's all That's all I have that day. All right. Yeah, I, I don't have I, anything else. was tempted I, to take Texas A&M um, just to be petty. But I'm not. I was going to say I was tempted to take Wake because the quarterback – situation at A&M and Hartman announcing he's coming back so obviously he's going to play and want to play well but their defense is just too bad like Texas A&M could line it up could line up and just run the ball uh, all day I would think and I think their defense is good still oh absolutely yeah makes sense that line being four and a half even without Um, do you want to go to New Year's Day and come back to the playoff yeah, let's do that. Okay. Right. A lot of good, a lot of good games. Five games on New Year's Day. I'll start off with the first game of January first, the Outback Bowl. Arkansas getting two and a half, taking on Penn State. The Hogs have been up and down to me all year, but I'm going back to the well as well. Take taking the Steve mentality here. Give me the pigs plus two and a half. It'll be very interesting to see how K.J. Jefferson does against the Penn State defense. I think Penn State's defense um, is going to have their hands full, not not to say that they're not capable. Um, and then also how, how Clifford does against the, the zone defense of yeah. Arkansas. They, they've, they've been able to, to wreak havoc against quarterbacks who aren't confident with the ball in, in, in their various zone um, setups, so... I that game is is a coin flip in my eyes. I yeah, yeah I agree. That's Penn State. I think has the opportunity to shut down Jefferson and make it a long day for him. But I think if I was going to go somewhere in that game, I would look at the total and take the under forty six and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking any totals this bowl season, so I'm I'm staying away. The the right. one thing the one thing that causes me a little bit of concern is the Hogs not having Traylon Burks, who has been fantastic all year. Um, you know, two guys in this game, or I guess on these respective teams, that probably could have had a shout for the Blitnikoff in Jahan Dotson and Burks. Uh, I would have given it to Traylon just because I thought it was fantastic all year for Arkansas over Dotson, also because I'm petty and Addison 100% deserved to win that award. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna stick with stick with Arkansas. John Dodson wasn't a Blitnikoff nominee. That was every idiot Penn State fan on Twitter for like two weeks. I Not guess that they we're forgot. A home podcast. 
I guess I guess they forgot they went seven and five this year. And their offense was terrible. All right. Well, I'm gonna move to the one PM slate. I actually have By a pick. I actually Shocker. have a pick, believe it or not. I have a pick. Uh, I, I'm taking Anyone. Oklahoma State um, oh. money line against Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame has, has met a defense such as Oklahoma State since Cincinnati. Um, and we saw how they fared against them. Now, have they made uh, improvements offensively? Absolutely. Could they be hyped up with Marcus Freeman as their head coach? Sure. I just like Oklahoma State's talent on the defensive end, and I think the points will find their way um, um, eventually. It's going to be I, – I, you got to assume it's going to be a low-scoring game, um, and I just see Oklahoma State coming out on top of that, making the most of the opportunities that they'll have. Do you think, do you think that tough ending for Oklahoma State is, is going to be motivating in the Fiesta Bowl? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it could go either. I mean, I think it could be motivating or it could also be like, shit, we were six inches away from being in the playoff. Like, this kind of sucks. Well, I mean, the good news is I think everybody wants to get up and beat Notre Dame. It's not like it's a, you know, I, I think this is a good matchup. I think Oklahoma State Fair is going to be going to be motivated to take on Notre Dame. No doubt. No doubt. You know the deal. Any other picks on New Year's Day? I don't have any. I I probably will bet someone in that Baylor Ole Miss game, but I don't know who yet. And my initial inclination on the other four games was that I liked the favorite in all four, but not not enough to bet any of them or put any of them on my card. I agree. It's, it's a great slate. It really is. But uh, I am I am done with picks. Save the playoffs. Me too. All right. Let's... All right. So, we'll start uh, the Cotton Bowl Classic, number one, Alabama. Number four, Cincinnati, the Capital One Orange Bowl. Why did I do the sponsor for that, but not the Cotton Bowl? I don't know. Sorry, Good year should pay me more. Good year should pay me more. That's You're my, a tire, anti-tire. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I, don't, I don't even know. You're a public um, transportation snob. I'm not though. I drive to work like every day. Number three, Georgia. Number two, Michigan. Uh, Alabama minus thirteen and a half. Both of these over one score spreads. Georgia minus eight and a half. Uh, I'll just jump out to it here. I'm taking the dogs in both games. Ooh. Um, uh, give me the points in, in both situations. Uh, Alabama scares me more than Georgia as a favorite, um, just because Bryce Young has been remarkable. Um, but weirdly enough, I think Luke Fickle is going to learn from the way Bill O'Brien and Saban attacked Georgia defense, and I'm really intrigued to see Cincinnati's defensive approach against the Heisman winner Bryce Young and uh, Alabama. But yeah, I'm taking taking the dogs in both games, taking the points. I've got Michigan uh, plus the points. Taking the dogs, but you're not taking the dogs. Right. That's the, the I thought of that the second I said. What do you I, got? Steve? I uh, I find myself betting with my heart each and every year, betting on the underdogs, and this truly is is no different. Um, I'm gonna bet Michigan plus eight against Georgia. I think they have an opportunity to win outright. 
I mean, I think the lineup of, or, or the matchup of the year is is Michigan's offensive line against Georgia's defensive line. Um, and if they're able to find holes and McNamara is, is able to manage the game the way that he has as of recent, I think it'd be a very close game. And I think Georgia's or Stetson Bennett is going to be under duress. And he, you know, I think we saw a little bit of what it means um, when, when Georgia gets behind in points, it's not easy for Georgia to, to really um, score on consecutive drives or, or be consistent offensively. Um, And I think Michigan has a skilled enough defense to, to, to put the ball in their offensive hands. I, I, I think, this will be a really good game, and I'm taking Michigan plus eight. I don't really have a pick. Um, I'm leaning Cincinnati, but uh, it it I think Alabama has has shown they're they're really it, they're playing to their motivation. If they're if they're in it and they're ready and motivated, they're obviously the number one team in the nation. But um, Cincinnati is obviously going to be ready, and if and if Alabama. Um, place how they did against AM and how they did against Auburn in Florida, um, which can happen. It's been irregular. Cincinnati has a real shot. Yeah, I um I'm taking Bama. I'm taking Bama minus the 13 and a half. Just because I think they're gonna be able to score at will. I mean if they were scoring at will on Georgia and the way they were moving the ball down the field in, in that SEC title game was Really something. Just picking up first downs at ease. Not worried at all about Georgia's front seven or their defensive line. I mean, Bryce Young's going to have all day to throw. Cincinnati's defense is good, but Bryce Young is going to have all day to throw. I think they're going to score at will, which makes me like Bama. Who knows? You, you always got to worry about a backdoor cover. It's a lot of points. But I'll, I'll lay the 13 and a half thinking that Bama wins like 45 to 31. Yeah, okay. That gives me yeah. a cover. So I'll do that. And then I'm with you guys, which scares me that all three of us are on Michigan, but yep. I'm with you on the Michigan. Team, the team, the team. It, it worries me that Georgia, you know, gets up early and then just squeezes the life out of Michigan as they did in a number of their games this season. But we saw, like you mentioned, Steve, that Georgia's not a team that's built to play from behind. Stetson Bennett, I think, is a guy that they're hoping, you know, they can win a national championship with, not a guy that will win them a national championship. So right. I think McNamara has shown me a lot. Showed yeah. me a lot in the Ohio State game. Played well in the Big Ten title game. And it's going to be on his shoulders to make good decisions and not turn the football over. But I don't know. Something just tells me that one of those games has to be close and it's yeah. not, I don't think yeah. it's going to be the Bama game. So I, yeah, I, 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 I really like the way you put the, the Stetson Bennett comment. Um, I, I think it's my, the question marks around JT Daniels have been, you know, when are we going to see him? You know, is he going to be fully healthy? And I think the fact that he's probably fully healthy right now and Kirby has not shown an inclination to go to him at, at any point um, tells me a lot, I think, about that quarterback situation and about how the coaching staff has handled that. And I, I just don't think that Bennett is going to be able to become at all 
Um, the Michigan defensive front has been really great with Njabo and Hutchinson off the edge. Um, you know, Hutchinson was a Heisman finalist for a reason. Do I think he should have finished second? No, I'm biased. Whatever, come at me um, at Bo underscore Bolick on Twitter. You know where to find me. Um, but I, I just I don't think that Bennett's going to be able to be comfortable. Um, I'm worried a little bit about a lack of explosiveness for the Michigan offense against that Georgia defense. Um, but I, I think that Michigan is going to be able to go punch for punch with Georgia. I think the Bulldogs are a little bit demoralized after getting daddied by Alabama. Um, I think there'll be a little bit of a motivation to to come back and get that second chance, um, but I don't think it matters that much particularly. I I mentioned um, the matchup between Michigan's offensive line and, and Georgia's defensive line, but I think uh, an underrated matchup in, in Cincinnati and Alabama's Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant against yeah Al- Alabama's. Um, I mean the strength receivers. the strength of that Cincinnati defense is their corner, right? It and and you're you're right, uh, Alex. Bryce Young is going to have all day to throw. However, um, you, there might be some coverage sacks going on if 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 Kobe Bryant and and, and Sauce Gardner kind of show up to play. Um, that's going to be that's probably the the key right there for Cincinnati. If you want any shot, you're going to have to have your defensive backs play out of their minds and. And they're solid deep. They're they're future NFL players. First team like, All America, right? They they're there. So it's just that'll be such a great uh, matchup to to kind of see it unfold. Obviously, Jamison Williams is Jamison Williams. You know that that Alabama receiver depth is impressive, but I think not having Mechie, not having that added um, attack out of the first string, you're gonna knock. Um, knock Alabama's offense back a little bit. For me, like, in my eyes, the only way, I mean, obviously could easily be wrong, but the only way I think I lose that bet is if Ritter has a good game. Like, if, if Ritter sure. plays great. Sure. And, and Cincinnati can put up 30. He's been so quiet this season, I feel like. he ha- I mean, he hasn't had to do much, which I guess – Maybe would would make it so that his numbers haven't had to be huge, but I I think Bama's going to get forty. I think Bama gets into the high into the low forty. So if Ritter can put thirty up on that Bama defense, I I think they'll cover. But I don't. I just don't see. I don't see Bama and the Heisman winner. And you know, they have a good run game too. They 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 should have the big time advantage up front. Really on both sides of the ball, so that I mean, even though it's a thirteen and a half point spread, I think everyone in college football is still happy that Cincinnati's in there because at least we're going to get to see. Like at yep. least it's going to be, at least it's going to be fun. Yep. For however long it lasts, which might right. not may only be a quarter and a half where it's fun, but at least it'll be fun for a little bit. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Any any final thoughts on the playoffs before we uh, transition a little bit here? Nope. The only you have a, you have a national champion pick. Um, I'll say Bama, but I guess that's an easy pick. Steve. Mm, Georgia. Ooh. 
Um, Michigan. You better go put a future in on that. Yeah, well, I might. Let me go see what the odds are. The, the, the one thing I'll say. Go ahead, it, sorry. I think Michigan's one of the few teams that can generate the pressure. If they can get past Georgia, they're probably one of the only teams in the country that can generate the pressure on Bryce Young. Yeah. I mean, I would think they're maybe, what, plus 800 still to win it all, plus 600? Let's see. It has to be pretty high still because, I mean, in this game alone, they're going to be plus 220. Eight and a half, yeah. So they're going to be plus 230, 240 on the money line. So, And then you got to beat Bama if you happen to win that game. Plus, plus 550, which feels very short to me. Yeah, they're not really giving you a great, great odds on that. Right. The only other thing I was thinking, just like the way the end of the season, the way the end of this regular season unfolded, kind of made the case in my eyes to keep the playoff at four teams. Because, like, there were a lot of teams that had a chance. Like, there's not there's not 12 teams that are good enough to win a national championship this year. There's just not. I would not still say close. six. I've been on the six train for a while. I, I don't think the point. I don't think that's the point of the 12. I think it's just to get more well, teams involved. The 12 is to make more, more money for the NCAA at it, whatever expense. I mean, that's, that's the point of anything, right? Yeah. So, right. I mean... That doesn't mean it's right. Like they went to the playoffs, you know. They didn't go to the playoff because they wanted to. They cared about getting the best team to win. They just wanted more money. Right. I think. I think the the argument for twelve, especially right now, seems to be perfectly exemplified by Pitt, Michigan State, which is why I'll use this as a transition point for our Homer Hour here, and it's. If this was a playoff game, do you think that Kenneth Walker and Kenny Pickett would be playing for their respective teams? Absolutely. Right. And, and I yeah. think that's the, you know, if you want to take the TV argument out of it, um, I think that's the general college football-wide argument for expansion is it gives meaning to more games, which is something that's been lacking since the 14 playoff came into being. I don't know. I just think, yeah, if you have a twelve-team playoff, that last that weekend, you know, that championship weekend and the one before that is far less interesting. Like, Bama's in even if they lose to Georgia. Yeah, Oklahoma and I think State is in no matter what. Like Notre Dame's in no matter what. You just yeah, take, that's takes fair. a lot of juice out of the regular season as a whole, and specifically like the final couple weeks. That's definitely fair. The other argument I would say against it is just kind of um i think it would leave the teams and the players themselves burnt out but i think it would also leave fans burnt out from from that long of of a playoff period yeah i don't know there's no there's no right answer but it's going to be very interesting to see how this progresses over the next decade yeah Absolutely. So on to Pitt. Obviously, we mentioned Pickett opting out for the Peach Bowl against Michigan State. Uh, it's a really interesting point for the program right here. Um, and I did say program here, of course. Um, 
it, we've had a lot of conversations between the three of us about kind of what's next for Pitt. I think they're in this precarious position. Obviously, we've been waiting for them as fans to take the jump to the championship level to be able to get to that next step. Um, you know, winning a conference championship game for the first time in their history as a nine-time national champion isn't anything to sneeze at. But but what's next here, right? You know, how does this program look to sustain the success? Um, and I, I think it starts with the way that they handle Pickett, which I think is the right choice for him. I think it's, you know, obviously a tough one to handle as fans because we all want to see a win in this game and we all want to see, you know, the guy who has been the face of this program for the last three years do well and, and perform on this stage. But I think it, it does speak a lot to his growth and the program's growth, growth as a whole that he's in this position even to begin with. Uh, where, where do you want to start with this, you know, really detailed topic, I guess? I, I, I think a good place to start, which is – I think a good place to start is the point that is making a lot of Pitt fans anxious right now, and that is the, the coaching vacancy at offensive coordinator. And everyone is very anxious to see how that's going to shake out because we've seen what happens whenever Pat Narduzzi does not have the right offensive coordinator. We've been down that path, and it is very ugly. And no matter what you can say about the stability and the player development and the culture and how much the players love Narduzzi and they love being at Pitt, if they don't nail that higher, the next two years are going to be very uncertain. So I think that is probably the most interesting, you know, Pickett opting out and, and the whole Peach Bowl scenario, I think, is secondary to that in a lot of Pitt fans' minds right now. It's definitely secondary in, in my mind. Like, I would much rather, you know, I'm much more worried that they nail this higher than that they beat Michigan State with a backup quarterback. No, I, I agree. I, yeah, no, absolutely. And it, well, like, we, 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 we saw Sean Watson after Mad Canada and, and how, you know, that set the program back. Um, and especially with the tools that that we that that Pitt is going to have next year on the offensive side, it sounds like a lot of the offensive line is going to return. Um, and obviously Addison is back, Jared Wayne is back, um, Jalen Barden coming off of a, a a good year cut short, Izzy, Vincent Davis, and Rodney Hammond. Like there's there. There's so in, much talent on that side. Yeah, plug, plug, plug in a good Bartholomew, yeah. All the tools are there. Um, so an, an incompetent offensive coordinator is going to set the program behind a, a significant amount because again, I, the defense is going to probably return, um, a lot on the line and in the secondary. So this, this really is a crucial hire. And, and if the right hire is made, um, then, you know, you can expect su sustain, you know, relatively sustained success here. Um, but but yeah, you're right. We also we also have to mention that it's becoming evident that Pitt is aggressively pursuing a graduate or a, a transfer quarterback, which ties right in with where we're going in the next two years. Like, yeah, 
those are two big dominoes to fall. The offensive coordinator is big, yeah, but who, who's going to be leading that offense is big too because we all love Nick Patty. I, I, I love Nick Patty. I think he gives us a very good chance to beat Michigan State. But I think Pitt, every Pitt fan would feel a lot better with, you know, whether it's Slovis, whether it's Purdy, whether it is Calzada. I think every Pitt fan would feel better with one of those guys getting added to the room. No, yeah, and and I think to to take a step back and look and look at the state of the program and the fact that these these quarterbacks are are, are not only in Pitt's radar but seriously considering um, transferring to Pitt shows you a bit that that with with the season that Pitt has had there there is a chance to build. A, a ton off of this, the recent success. And, and I think with the right transfer quarterback, with the right offensive coordinator, there's no reason to believe that sustained success could, could happen and, and really po- possibly even program-changing success is on, is on the horizon with, with the right moves. Now, let me ask you guys, of, of the names that have been mentioned, who who do we want the most? Who do we think? Uh, coaching or quarterback? Quarterback. Coaching, I feel like, is just too open. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm I, look. I'm still. I'll, I'll say it. I'm still in the Marion camp. Um, I, I understand that. I think the the what seems to be swirling is they're going to go outside. They're going to bring in somebody with a little bit more experience as an offensive coordinator at this level. Um, but I'm just, I've been so impressed with what Marion has pushed as wide receiver coach. I'm intrigued by what he brings as a play caller and an offensive coach. Um, and I'd love to see him be given that opportunity. Um, but uh, I'm also a little bit distrusting of Narduzzi's intentions as, you know, as to the guys he's brought in in the past. I think Whipple obviously has turned out great. There were some times where I I think there were a lot of flaws that were shown. I think Sean Watson, the two years under him, speak for himself. Canada worked out great for a year, and he immediately. For that, I don't even remember. Um, but I don't think it was anything particularly great at that point with uh, the pre-Canada years. Um, but in terms of the quarterback. Um, I will also say I've thought that Pitt's starting quarterback next year will come from outside the program for a while. I think Slovis is the one that really intrigues um, Obviously, a little bit of a down year this year, some pressure from Jack in. But, I mean, that team had so many injuries at the wide receiver spot. Um, was it 2019 that Slovis had the really good out? Uh, I mean, I think that he's shown... He's a little bit more experienced than Calzada and Purdy. He's um, time under his belt, um, and I think that is positive. Um, I I just don't know about the other two. I think the extra years of eligibility are definitely intriguing, but I'd be inclined to go with a little bit more towards the experience of Keaton. Uh, I, I I really really like the upside of uh, of Purdy. I think he has the potential to be a really good quarterback. Um, and, you know, the thing is concerning is the lack of film. And, and even with how much Florida State's quarterback situation was fluid, um, maybe they, they don't think he's there yet. But I think the goal of, of 
bringing in the quarterback has always been for at least for this coaching staff is to not bring in a, a day one starter, but to bring in someone who's going to be able to to increase the competition in camp. And I think that is the right person to do it. Because um, I don't think you you want to send that message to to Nick Patty and and Davis Bevel that you know that they're not going to be rewarded for for their loyalty to the program. I think they want to do that. Um, so I don't think they're going to bring in a guy who they're expecting to start right away. I think they're they're bringing in a guy who who they hope can, but uh, they want it to be settled in the spring and in fall camp. And I think Purdy's the guy to do that. Valid point. That's definitely definitely a dilemma if you're Pitt's coaching staff, especially considering they don't have an offensive coordinator. So I would love to you know what you know, I would love to know what goes into that decision. And you know what kind of tape you're watching, and what variables you're you're putting into play, because you're 100 percent right, Steve. Like if they take Slovis or they take Calzada, I mean Nick Patty and Bevel and Davis Bevel should both transfer out. Like that's just that's it. You're done. But if you take a guy like Purdy, then I feel like it's a wide open race. So I, if you're a Pitt yeah. fan, it's good news because they can't really go wrong. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good points all around. To um, your, I just want to say real quick to your Marion point. Yeah. I love Marion. I I think he is a like a very good players coach. Clearly has some very good schematic ideas. Clearly upgraded the receiving core this year a lot. I just think they can keep him without having to make him the offensive coordinator. If they can do that, then I think that is the biggest home run that they could hit. Oh, absolutely. This, whole, absolutely. this whole carousel. If you can keep Marion in place and add, add a new offensive mind you know, from the outside that is going to have some fresh ideas, going to be able to continue, see the success we had last year, and then we just have a shit ton of talent on offense. And so, I'd be inclined to see if maybe that comes with like title. Like, I don't think this is something Narduzzi has done in his tenure at Pitt, but like, you know, promotion to passing game coordinator or something. But yeah, I, I, I look, my point is, I just, I, I'm so impressed with what he's done with that receiver room. There was so much talent in there the last, you know, two years. And obviously, Chris Betty was fantastic. But just to see the jump that that entire um, has been so impressive. And, and I just think that Pitt needs to do, along with Charlie Partridge on the defensive line, whatever it takes to to keep those guys in there in this program. My my only thought, like whenever, whenever earlier, I think it was Steve here saying that there there's a lot here to attract a quarterback to Pitt between the talent we have in offense and then the stability with Narduzzi. I think the same can be said about a prospective offensive coordinator. Like, what offensive coordinator out there wouldn't want to come here? and realize that you have a loaded receiver room, a loaded running back room, a loaded offensive line room, and there's three or four transfer quarterbacks who really want to come here. Plus, you got two guys in the room who both could be good. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a feeling our dude could hire someone with a better pedigree than Mark Whipple, Sean Watson, or Matt Canada. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I, think it, I think it's a giant question mark. Yeah, I, it's I, all Pitt fans. I mean, you guys, you guys are on the Panther Lair boards. You know the hysteria. One, one of us more than the other, right? One of us 
maybe named Steve Brown <laughs> spends his afternoons on, on the Panther Lair message boards. Maybe you can clue us in there, Steve. Nothing of value. It's just been hysterics. Our our Panther Lair correspondent. I I honestly have been not I haven't been paying much attention because it's just been unreasonable. So yeah. Um speaking of question marks, let's wrap things up on this point. The Peach Bowl is still a game that will be actually played sans Kenny Pickett, sans Kenneth Walker, as we were talking about, sans Damari Mathis in the cornerback room as well. Um question marks all over the field, I think, for both sides. What are you looking for in this game? What are you excited to watch? Uh, and, and what um, what questions do you think are in your mind that can be answered in this game? Number one, I guess, would have to be got to see how the quarterback's going to play. Assuming it's going to be Patty. Who knows? Like, do we think they'll give Bevel some reps as well? Like, I I think I think from what I understand, I think um, it, it's been heavy i i think they're just gonna give patty the keys and then say go because yeah i, I have no idea why they would they would try and, and do both especially because patty's been the clear the clear second um the whole season so i think they they just give yeah uh, patty the keys to the kingdom and, and see what they can do play 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 for your your job in 2022 Beyond quarterback, though, I I guess the position group I'd be most interested in watching is the linebackers, just to see, like, you got to assume they're going to mix in young guys heavily. We're going to see a lot of Brandon George, I would assume, a lot of Bengali Kamara. Uh, you got to see, I mean, you got to see what you have there with, you know, losing three yeah. guys there with Patricia and Bright and Bill Gamble. That was exactly what I was going to say. That and uh, maybe a little bit more of, of AJ Woods and MJ Dem, who have both played pretty well down the stretch. Devonshire um, was awesome in the ACC title game. Yeah, yeah. I I've got nothing else. Um, any, anything final from you two? I got nothing. nothing. What are we? What are we thinking? What, when's our next? Are we gonna maybe meet up after the play after the uh, final? I was four? gonna say. I was gonna say. Let's let's shoot for. Um, be on the lookout for for a national championship. Perfect. I'm down for that. Well, gentlemen, it has been it has been a treat as always. This has been a ton of fun. We've dove into so many different things, a lot of bowl games to look forward to, and of course the Peach Bowl with the Pitt Panthers and the Michigan State uh, Spartans. It has been fun as always. Manj, Steve, we'll catch you next time right here on the Noon on Saturday podcast college football as it's meant to be.